I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. All right, welcome back to another episode of Rebel Wellness. I'm so glad you're here. And if you are here for the first time and you don't know who I am, I'm your host, Kaylee. I am also known as Coach Kales, as in at Coach by Kales. I'm a longtime multi-certified nutritionist and fitness professional here on the West Coast. And I'm just making this podcast to bring you my wealth of knowledge and experience thus far in this wellness industry because it's my passion to empower women by bringing practical, well-rounded perspectives to their health journeys because I just really want people to make better, more informed choices for themselves and maybe their families if they have them. So if you are new here, I would love for you to follow me at Rebel Wellness Podcast so I can say hello. And if you have any questions or comments about things that I chat about, I would love to hear them as well. And that goes for anybody who isn't new here. If you are also a consistent listener, thank you for listening. And I also would invite you to follow that Instagram page at Rebel Wellness Podcast so that we can kind of connect a little bit more and uh, share topics, thoughts, comments, success stories, etc. And I'd also love to invite you to please share anything that you think will be helpful for anybody you know with this podcast. Easy to click the little share button and make sure that you kind of also click that bell on there and subscribe and get notifications for when new podcasts come out. They come out every Sunday and there might even be some bonus content that comes out on Wednesdays. Okay, without further ado, we are about to embark in our next series and we're focusing a lot more into the fitness side. So particularly in this episode, I'm going to share my hot take on several of the biggest cult strength fads, including Orange Theory Fitness, CrossFit, 75 Hard, etc. And I want to take some time to teach you what true hit is, how you can do it better for yourself, maybe teach your friends or your family, and also a bit of conversation towards who is really not the best suited for hit style workouts, and that includes those classes. Okay, so I want to preface that this is not a chat where I'm going to sit here and slam these companies or their methodologies. So before you freak out, please just know that my goal of this topic or this episode is so that you can understand that fitness is personal and it should be fitting your body and goals, not taking away from them. A lot of these group courses are meant to be accessible to multiple people. We call this gen pop population of general people out in the world. (laughs) So they're trying to basically make something that can work with everybody almost. So my goal is to help you understand these classes, come out of this, able to walk into any of those and set your expectations for what they're going to really do for you and what they may not be really doing for you. That can give you more of the tools to adjust whatever your plan is for your week to week exercise so that you're not really spinning your wheels, taking these classes, feeling like you're not getting your money's worth, or you're feeling like you're constantly getting injured, you don't know why, you got really good progress in the beginning and you're not anymore, and I'd really like you to understand how come. 
So when we think about HIT classes or HIT training in general, the main goal that I usually see a lot of us fitness professionals see is that most people are trying to change their body composition. Your body composition is your percentage of your body between your lean mass, your total body fat, and other tissues that go into your body, such as your water, your blood, etc. So when we talk about body composition, we're kind of just looking at your bones, body fat, and muscle. That's the main categories we're looking for. When people want to improve their body composition, they're typically looking to reduce their body fat percentage and increase their lean muscle. Sometimes most general population has a goal to just reduce their overall weight. That can include body fat and muscle, which is not ideal because anytime you lose muscle, you're lowering your metabolic rate, AKA how many calories you're burning at rest. So I always tell my clients, if you are looking to improve your body for health reasons and aesthetics, you really want to aim on reducing body fat percentage overall and increasing lean muscle mass. So when people are looking to do something like F45, spin classes, 75 hard, CrossFit, Orange Theory, typically their overall goal tends to be they're trying to burn as much fat as possible. Other times people are just looking for a good drip, so to speak. They're just trying to get a good sweat on. I would argue that most of those people are still looking for the quote unquote benefits of fat loss. So while there's a lot of different reasons somebody would be taking these different classes, um, including CrossFit, I would say CrossFit is a lot more performance based. So you don't always find people that are just trying to get a fat burn workout going to CrossFit. Usually you'll see it though with Orange Theory, F45, all of those different kind of circuit training classes and spin class, etc. But before I chat about my take on each of those different groups and their methodologies, it's important for you to understand what HIT actually is. So HIT is high intensity interval training. This is essentially periods of maximal effort paired with light exercise or rest. We're really looking for you to go balls to the wall, high intensity during that set of time. And then when you're in your rest period, that should immediately follow. You should probably be doing an intensely reduced rest phase. So usually I would say you should be almost doing no movement or a slow walk. So this is sometimes, for example, you'll see people doing this on the treadmill where you're sprinting and then you're walking or you're standing with your feet on the rails. So it's really important to kind of understand the three energy metabolism systems that our bodies use. And it is depending on intensity and duration of the exercise itself. The first category is going to be called the phosphocreatine system. And this is your full force exertion system. So it's kind of essentially if you were to fight or flight, something scares the crap out of you, you jump up and sprint away. That's going to be your phosphocreatine system, its immediate response to a stimulus. Glycolysis is in between. You're relatively high intensity, but you can also sustain that energy output for about a minute or two. Extended long periods of strain is going to be something that you can sustain for a while. That would be your beta oxidation system. This is what we see when we're doing any type of like running, hiking, walking, any cardio really that you're sustaining for a long period of time, that's beta oxidation. This is the one where basically you hear all of these like things on social media or ads where they say that 
fat is oxidative, so you must do cardio. Yes and no. It's kind of like the whole calories in, calories out argument. Generally, it makes sense. Generally, it is true by physics and such. However, it isn't the fastest way or the most effective long-term method for fat loss, fat burn, etc. And I'm going to tell you why. So the first two systems I spoke about, phosphocreatine and glycolysis, they don't need oxygen the way that beta-oxidation does. This doesn't mean that they don't burn fat. This is the segue into what we refer to in the fitness industry as EPOC, which is excessive post-exercise oxygen consumption. The concept of this is basically when you're exercising, you will breathe more to provide oxygen to the working muscles. And then after you exercise, you'll continue to inspire more than normal to make up for what was used during exercise to return the body to homeostasis. So essentially for hours after exercise, you're increasing your caloric expenditure because now you are consuming more oxygen than before the exercise. And that in turn burns calories more calories than if you were to do like nothing at all. So this is the mechanism that's going on when basically people have said HIIT training is great because you burn more calories after you do it. Yes, because of EPOC and the fact that you are utilizing typically more of your muscles for the work that is asked in the exercise versus just running straight forward, etc. So now that you hopefully can kind of understand the basic concepts surrounding the three energy systems that are involved with your metabolism during exercise, it's also important to understand that true high-intensity interval training should max out at 20 to 30 minutes of exercise. If it exceeds that, you are really not working to the capacity that's required for activating these physiological benefits. When you supersede the 30 minutes of exercise, you're now kind of shifting into that beta oxidation energy system, which isn't where you're going to get that overall limited capacity for the phosphocreatine system. They also refer to this as the ATPPC because it's also adenosine triphosphate and phosphocreatine system. However, a lot of times we just refer to it as the phosphocreatine. Utilizing that system and only that system is really where you're going to get that fat burn dominant reaction from the body compared to now shifting into like the endurance long distance running type of energy system that can also backfire if you're somebody who already has high cortisol and especially for those females who have high cortisol and high estrogen, long bouts of cardio are not going to stimulate your body to drop fat. But if you do want to strategically try to test this ATPPC system for you, it would be good for you to try like true hit. So again, should not be exceeding 20 to 30 minutes of doing these exercises. Honestly, if you're doing really true hit, 10 to 20 minutes is all you need. And that's also why it became so popular is that it's a really effective way to challenge your body at a capacity that will stimulate fat loss, but in a short amount of time. So a lot of people who have really busy schedules fit into a category where this is really effective for the goals that they're looking for. So you might be wondering, how do I incorporate HIIT properly for those benefits then? So there's kind of like two different ways to approach it. There might be something you've heard called Tabata. This is a method of HIIT training, but not all HIIT is Tabata. So Tabata training is breaking a workout down into like the clearly defined intervals 20 seconds of push it to the limit exercise followed by 
10 seconds of rest. That's it, back to back. It's really short bursts and really short rests. It's extremely intense. So if you can do more than the eight consecutive rounds of the work and relax cycles, you're probably not pushing yourself to that limit that you really need to be in. So again, like you need to be going all out, like a tiger is chasing you type of all out for eight consecutive cycles in a four minute round. You're gonna wanna take a full minute of recovery after each round and do a maximum of three to four of those rounds. You should not be exceeding 20 minutes of Tabata. You should be gassed. (laughs) If you don't wanna do the Tabata type, you can do a standard hit. And I truly would say you should probably not exceed one to three times per week doing a, a true hit workout. But I would suggest you do sort of a one to five work to rest ratio. So essentially that would be like 10 seconds of all out work, 50 seconds of rest. Sometimes people like to follow the 20 seconds of work, 60 seconds of rest. Whichever you want to do in that one to five ratio is kind of the best way to essentially spike your heart rate to almost max and then let it drop down as much as possible. And this is going to be really healthy for challenging your cardiovascular system because it increases the limits of your heart's capacity to take on higher intense shifts in your body's need for oxygen capacity. This is where we see benefits for people's VO2 max, which is a person's maximal oxygen consumption at a time. This is basically kind of your aerobic capacity. So HIT can be a really good mechanism for challenging your cardiovascular capacity without having to do long-term endurance cardio. So once you've decided which style you're going to do, either the Tabata, which is a two to one work rest, but it should really only be 20 seconds of work, 10 seconds of rest, or a HIT style and a one to five ratio of 10 seconds of work, 50 seconds of rest. Once you've decided what you're going to do, you must be doing movements that are not so complex that you're not going to hurt yourself but can do maximal exertion so when you see all these hit workouts that all these like instagram people will put up and they're doing all these fancy weird bosu or things with cable machines or stuff like that that is probably not a true hit workout because something cannot be done maximally because you're at risk of injury or something is just too involved i usually like to point that out whenever i see My clients want to do this or that, or they want to go do one of these classes that we'll talk about here in a second. And I'll kind of explain to them that you're not going to get that same hit reaction because what you're doing is too complex. Therefore, I do usually say simple is better for most of these because you're just going to really want to pick like squat jumps and do that for 10 seconds of work, 50 seconds of rest, not get fancy. You're going to get a full body workout from doing just squat jumps. Some more examples would be like skate lunges, mountain climbers. I don't like burpees, so I'm just not going to recommend them, but a lot of people do do them. If you can properly perform those, those would be great for you to do with these. However, typically when people get exhausted, I don't like the like risk versus reward ratio of burpees, which is why a large majority of us like fitness professionals do not stand behind burpees. Another great one I like to use for a lot of my clients who do hit is kettlebell swings because they are a fantastic way to challenge full body work and weight it. So adding weight to it versus just doing body weight. 
But again, please learn proper kettlebell swing form. I am not a fan of the American kettlebell swing where you swing it over your head. There's a lot more risk for injury with shoulders because a lot of people aren't mechanically well-suited for swinging a heavy bell over their head in my experience. <laughs> and again, I'm speaking towards gen pop. If you're more conditioned and you have a athletic past, this advice doesn't apply to you the same. But the reason that you're having an extended rest for hit, like true hit, is that is what allows your ATP PC system the time it needs to replenish the energy stores, which should allow you to perform these exercises more intensely and with a lot higher quality to prevent injury. So that is why you really must have the proper rest periods during true hit. Taking a quick second to share an exclusive offer for my Rebel Wellness listeners. So I've teamed up with the amazing woman-owned business, Your Hormone Balance, to share a high-quality hormone testing option for you right at your home. This is really important, especially because with this conversation around HIT training, as well as the previous series where we talked a lot about cycle syncing, it's extremely important to know where your hormones are at so you're not kind of just like walking around grabbing at things, trying to figure out what is actually going to help your body heal or progress or recover from your workouts better. All of those things are reliant on your hormones. So this isn't just a willy-nilly ad. Like I actually have used your hormone balance for my own hormone saliva testing because I was looking for something that would come right to my house, be as close to accurate for bioavailable hormone levels as possible, and I wanted to make sure that I was getting comprehensive testing that actually got everything that's going on inside. A lot of the times when we go to see a PCP or something like that, they'll say, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll order you a hormone test. And then they'll run one single hormone. And all of these hormones, like your cortisol, your DHEA, your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone, they all work together for a reason. And if you don't know where your testosterone is at, that might be why your body isn't recovering from your HIIT training very well. If no matter what you do and no matter how hard you go at your class, you're still stuck with the same body fat percentage or maybe it's getting worse, you need to know where your hormones are at. I was extremely impressed and pleased with my results and how fast they came and how easy it was. It shipped right to my house in a little box. Each vial was labeled. The instructions were so easy to follow and then I just shipped it right back and they emailed me my results and offered even some counseling should I need some further advice and direction with what my results said. So if this is something that sounds like what you need and that would take a ton of question marks away for you, use the code REBELWELLNESS15 for 15% off their kits. They also offer payment plans for if you have a different budget situation right now. And I highly suggest that you invest in your health now and pay out of pocket for some of these things that you're really just not going to get from our general healthcare system, unfortunately. So again, yourhormonebalance.com, use the code rebelwellness15. All right, back to the episode. With all of that knowledge in your pocket now, let's dissect some of these uh, very popular fad fitness classes or fitness trends because I've also included a couple of the trends that are really popular right now. 
So this first one doesn't exactly fit into the routines of the other ones. So I'm gonna speak about the more cardio-based first, and then I'm gonna go into the interval strength training paired with cardio types. So first thing is Peloton. I have my own Peloton. I really enjoy Peloton. I haven't touched my Peloton in like five months, <laughs> just being honest, because it is one of those things where once the gyms reopened post all the pandemic shenanigans, I really enjoy strength training more and I enjoy the energy at the gym and I can just stay a lot more focused at the gym because I'm going there to do the fitness things. So I'm trying to get back into my Peloton because they're obviously an investment of their own, but I also don't love the Peloton because I had a reaction that you might have had as well that I've seen many of my clients have, and it is explained by the fact that you are not actually working in the energy system of ATPPC or even glycolysis because it is a beta-oxidative method of exercise. So it can be wonderful for those of you who want to keep challenging like your endurance cardio and things like that. But if you are doing any of the Peloton HIT classes, I always have a lot of beef for them because the HIT spin classes are not true HIT. Again, you're working way too hard for way too long. You don't actually get that rest period of dropping your heart rate low enough to have that recovery where you can go all out again. I have yet to take a class with an instructor that does true hit. It's almost always more endurance because they extend it so long. I'm sure some of the classes that are a little bit more of like the 10 to 20 minute might be closer to true hit. However, they always start with like a pretty intense warm up, then they go into the hit intervals, and you're still spinning at a pretty high cadence in the rest period. And I've watched my heart rate recovery between each interval, and it's never going down into that below 130, which is where I know that that is my recovery heart rate zone for if I were to actually do specific HIT. Therefore, if you're going to do HIT on Peloton, you might want to just explore the shorter classes and make sure that instead of doing the spinning passively in between that they instruct you to do, I would just stop spinning altogether or maybe reduce it to really low and just pedal really slow. Um, you're totally free to do whatever you want. I know a lot of people get competitive and they want to keep that their output numbers high. They want to surpass people on the leaderboard, etc. I come from the camp of turn the leaderboard off, race against you, because I just don't think that you're getting the benefits you're thinking you are when you're just trying to chase the dude on the right. You know what I mean? But again, you do you, boo-boo. I don't care if you want to. But just know that as far as hit goes in spin classes of any type, they're not truly hit unless they're making you go balls to the wall and then make you stop spinning. And again, yet to see anybody actually make you stop spinning in a hit class. They're kind of always just making you drop your cadence a bit, you know. So spin classes, not my favorite method for any type of body recomposition goal. It's strictly cardiovascular related. And I'll also talk a little bit about why a lot of females tend to experience 
hunger spikes when they do spin classes too frequently. But I'll get into that in a little bit later. Let's chat about CrossFit. So CrossFit is promoted as both a physical exercise philosophy and also a competitive fitness sport. It's combining high-intensity interval training with Olympic weightlifting, plyometrics, powerlifting, gymnastics, uh, kettlebell things, calisthenics, strongman movements, etc. A lot of these people are doing some cool shit. However, if you have known anybody or if you yourself have gotten into CrossFit, you'll probably know somebody who's gotten massively injured. And again, not throwing shade, but here's why this usually happens. A lot of the gyms are at a capacity where there's so many people that the certified trainers on staff are not able to watch the form of everybody who's lifting at the same time. Pretty much everybody is lifting at the same time at excessive intensity because they're trying to do things for time, which in my world of fitness with strength training is never a good thing <laughs> because most people are using bodies that are over-contracted and under-mobilized, which is where we get at risk for injury, especially when you add speed into it. So any regular Joe can show up to CrossFit and start throwing barbells around. Some of the classes, or studios rather, are really good at making beginners go through beginner courses. However, for most of the people I've spoken with, pretty much if you just have it in your mind that you want to start, they'll get you started. There's good and bad things with that. However, Olympic lifting is really specific, especially because it's involving every mechanism of your body, including a lot of overhead lifting. When I had gone through this corrective exercise certification last year, it was really heavily focused on shoulder mechanics. Majority of Americans and a lot of people in general right now have what's called like upper cross syndrome, which is essentially desk posture or cell phone posture or sitting on your couch on your computer posture. So a lot of people are really concentrically loaded to the front. So they're curved forward. Their back muscles are too relaxed. They're not as trained or engaged. And this typically leads to issues with rotator cuff injuries and other things like that because you're just lacking mobility. We always see a lot of injuries paired with lack of mobility. That's why it's usually kind of common nowadays to see NFL players doing yoga or different moves like that in between because it's really helping reduce the rate of injury for these guys. Okay, so with that said, CrossFit is another risk versus reward type of exercise in my opinion. You can go to classes, work at your own pace, and make some great strength gains. However, typically you're going to get really stuck because it's time-based, it's competitive-based. If you're in a position where your body can take that load and level of intensity, go for it with the CrossFit. However, it also tends to create more injuries because they don't have a huge variety of movements that you're typically doing in each class. And sometimes it varies like coach to coach what they're going to have you do that day and if that programming is meant for you. And again, for females, based off of our last series, if you didn't listen to the last three episodes about cycle syncing, if you are going and showing up to a CrossFit class at that like latter part of your luteal phase, 
or on your actual period, you're going to face lowered energy, which can negatively impact the efficiency of that workout for your body. So again, if you're going to do CrossFit, I would just keep it to those first two weeks of your cycle. If you are tracking your cycle and following that, and then switch to something more like standard strength training and yoga for the latter two, because it's just hard to blanket statement, give any advice because so many CrossFit studios do so many different things compared to the others. And so, but pretty much it's always intense and it's always for time and it's always throwing weights around. And so in that general sense, there's a reason you'll see chiropractors and physical therapists conveniently located next to CrossFit studios. It's because people are almost always stumbling into one of their offices at some point in their CrossFit journey. Okay, so similar things stand with Orange Theory, F45, any hit style circuit class, and same-ish thing for 75 hard. So over the last several years, it's been a plethora of these kind of group circuit-based hit quote-unquote classes. But again, all of them are over 40 minutes in length, and a lot of those don't really have low-intensity warm-ups. So essentially, after a minute like 25 or 30, and you're still going in this class, you're shifting into that beta-oxidative state. So it's no longer really a hit class. That's kind of where I have a little bit of beef when they keep calling it that. And a lot of these people are actually just getting benefits of a little bit of strength training, but a lot of bit of cardio activity. So essentially, they're just increasing their caloric output and burning those calories, which is kind of why initially they might get that fat loss or weight loss movement. And then it gets to a point pretty much always by maybe month two, month three, month four, depending on the person and their background, where they no longer are making much progress. And that's because with cardio, you're always having to go further than the furthest you've been. So if you ran a mile in order to get more benefits, you have to run two miles and then you have to run three miles and then you have to run four miles because you're constantly having to outdo your previous PR, so to speak. The other downside to too much cardio is you're paring down muscle. So your body basically shifts into a more efficient state where if you have too much muscle and you're running for long endurance, you're going to burn too many calories at rest and it puts your body at risk for being in too much of a deficit. And your body is always going to try to put you where they can establish a good homeostasis for vitality, for living. And when you're running too much, your body is going to stop how much muscle you can put on. This is where you kind of see long distance runners are always kind of skinny fat. They can look leaner. They might look like they have musculature, but that's the most muscle they can put on if they're maintaining that much endurance training every week. So this is why in the long run, I'm not a huge fan of cardio for lifestyle exercise and health because you have to keep up with it in order to get those benefits. And then you also max out on your metabolic systems at rest because you can't put on very much lean muscle mass. Thus, with classes like Orange Theory Fitness and such, this is exactly why once you stop those classes, if you get injured 
or if you have a life event go on, etc. This is why your body tends to just kind of put the weight back on that you lost because it's still very cardio heavy. And the way that they want you to work with your splat points is keep you in a really high heart rate zone. And so that means you must be maintaining a high heart rate zone, which typically means you're just doing endurance cardio for that entire 45 to 50 minutes of the class. And then the other issue is you're pairing that cardio with little bouts of moderate weightlifting in between. And this is where a lot of my clients in the past before I met them get injured because again, they're working too hard during the cardio. They're trying to race Bobby next to them on the treadmill and then they get off and they go and do their weightlifting work. And again, those trainers can't keep an eye on everybody. And a lot of them don't necessarily have the background of injury prevention just yet because general certifications for trainers don't teach injury prevention really. They just teach you like the politics of what to avoid for medications, people's health conditions, and then general exercise safety as in like proper ways to spot. They're not going as in-depth of learning how people's bodies look when they're about to get injured, which any trainer you can speak with that is a professional for multiple years can tell you they know exactly what it looks like before a client is like at the point of injury because they're doing something wrong. And not to say that a lot of these beginner trainers can't, but typically Orange Theory Fitness trainers are newbie trainers and they just have their basic certification. And again, this is a generalized statement because I know a lot of people who worked at Orange Theory and I know because I've also spoken to the owner of Oregon's majority of their Orange Theory Fitnesses back in the day, etc. And the way they recruit is just that. They want you to have a certification and they do like look into some background. But again, this is just so you understand that these are not people who are always well-trained and can always keep an eye on you and make sure that you're doing things perfectly. So whenever I tell my clients, especially if they're working with me and they just want to like throw in some of those classes just to spice up their week, I always tell them, yes, because we've worked together long enough that I know and I'm confident that you know and are confident in movement patterns and you know what is right and wrong, or you know that you can say no if a trainer is like, hey, let's do this thing. And you're like, no, my body is not going to do that. Because a lot of gen pop people have no idea what their body's capable of or not. And so sometimes they'll just kind of do it. And that's usually where they get injured. And then they feel punished by exercise forever. And so that's where like, I don't love all of these classes because they are so intense. A lot of times people tend to get beat up or it's just too much, or they commit to five days a week of Orange Theory and then they burn out. It doesn't have to be that intense and it doesn't have to push you to that limit because exercise should be enjoyable and support your body, not punish you for what you ate, for what mistakes you've made in your life. Whatever reason you might feel like you've been trained to use exercise as punishment, I really invite you to consider using exercise as more of a celebration and a love note to your body because it's really something that should be supporting you and enjoyable for you, not just punch you in the face, burn as many calories as possible, and sweat all of your water out of your body type of exercise that is never going to be enjoyable for long term. It's the same method for 75 hard. 
you're supposed to do two daily workouts. We call that double days. That's going to overtrain you. Most people are overtraining on 75 hard. And it's the same thing as like P90X. They're suddenly doing a lot of this intense activity multiple times a day. Overall, you're basically just burning more calories and hopefully putting on muscle so that you're burning more calories at rest and then you kind of get those results you want. But whether or not you can stick to it is always what matters. You guys know that I have said this before. The underlying theme for success in all fat loss or all body composition goals is adherence. If you cannot adhere to it, it is not going to be successful for you. So do not set yourself up for failure and pick something that is not going to be sustainable. So to wrap all of this up, the main thing I do not like about all of these classes is there is no progression in the programming for any of it. You're showing up, you want something different, you're going to get a different trainer different days, they set what exercises you're going to do. That puts you in a position where your body is constantly doing different things every single time you show up. And despite the weird trick your muscles, change up your workouts kind of myth that has been kind of prevalent the last maybe like decade or more, now you're no longer able to build and put a muscle through a proper progression of hypertrophy to actually have those results that last. So for example, For people who want to have a nicer butt, if you're not doing consistent, maybe weighted squats in a class and every single class you're adding five to 10 pounds, if you're not doing that, you're not getting those results for progressive overload. And again, this is usually why people kind of plateau with any progress or any physical changes not continuing is because of this lack of specific programming with progressive overload. So when you're looking at all of these classes, all of these fad fitness things, I totally understand that the perks would be that they're challenging, you're getting endorphins because it's still exercise. There's a lot of competition. So a lot of people who are competitive love the fact that there's competition involved. There's set classes, you're instructed to do something you don't really have to think when you show up. You show up and you get a sweat, so I get it. And the most important thing, I think, why this is kind of blown up over the years is that there's community. It's kind of the same thing as like a gym. A lot of people like going to the gym, especially like you'll see those old guys just kind of chatting around, like maybe not actually even really exercising (laughs) because they like to go to the gym for the community aspect. Same kind of concept stands for a lot of these like Orange Theory and all that. A lot of people like going because there's familiar faces, there's community, there's competition, etc. Totally get it. Those are great perks. But again, if I had to give you a suggestion, I would say don't do it more than one to three times in your week. Anything more than that is breaking on overtraining and more often than not, not going to support your physique goals potentially. And like I said, to kind of go back over the downfalls, you're really at risk for injuries with most of these classes. You're going to be at risk for overtraining. There's not any progressive programming, so your results will probably halt at some point. Most of them actually are utilizing like cardio-based energy systems, so it's not going to be the same kind of long-term body composition benefits as just dominantly strength training because dominantly strength training is aiming to put more lean muscle on and it's utilizing the other two energy systems 
more than beta oxidative. And the two really important things that a lot of people might not really say about these that I'm going to is that a lot of people experience self-worth challenges because of the competitive nature involved in these communities. So sometimes a lot of people tend to backtrack on progress with their confidence because they're feeling like, oh, I'm not as good as this person, or there's always somebody in the class who's just like an, a complete fitness freak badass, and they're just doing everything way better than everybody else. And if you already struggle with like self-confidence, you're probably going to continue to struggle when you are somebody who doesn't receive that type of competition in a healthy way. So I would just remind those of you who do not deal well with losing in competitions, <laughs> um, losing, quote unquote, losing, um, that this may not be the best method of exercise for you. And the really important, interesting one, if you are a female, you will most likely get spikes in hunger because how the feminine body responds hormonally to too much endurance cardio activity, which includes your whole cortisol estrogen equation and many other things women compensate calorically after exercise more than men and this is in efforts to balance out the deficit for your body's total homeostasis they call this calorie overcompensation essentially what happens is your hunger hormone ghrelin jumps by roughly a third after vigorous extended exercise. So this is anything over 35 to 40 minutes of vigorous exercise, which like we just learned before, means that you're going into that cardio system. So men don't have that same change in ghrelin. So they don't actually experience the hunger spikes the same that we tend to as females, especially cycling females, because it's our body's mechanism to essentially be efficient with our fat storage because we have reproductive mechanisms that rely on enough body fat. The average female has 30% body fat. So we have greater appetite stimulation than men because we are more efficient with fat storage. So I don't know about you, but for me, when I was really into my Peloton spin classes or different higher intensity longer endurance things. Um, there was a period of time in my life, like right in the middle of college where I ran a lot and I was so damn hungry. I was ravenous all the time, especially this like recent time with the Peloton stuff. I was like always starving and I like craved carbs like crazy. So I know for sure I land in this category where my appetite stimulation spikes like crazy after too much cardio. So for me, I don't actually love to do it that much because of that, because I don't like feeling like I just want bowls of cereal all day long. So if that's also you, that's probably a category that you should pay attention to for whether or not you are choosing the right methods of fitness for you and your body, because that's the whole point of this entire chat is looking at all of these things and better understanding is quote unquote hit classes offered by these different groups right for you is true hit right for you or is none of this right for you and you should just be strength training you know if it's something that keeps people in this kind of self-hatred stubborn body fat cycle I'm definitely not going to support it <laughs> but at the same time if this is something that is enjoyable for you I would just suggest that you reduce how frequently you do it 
and it can totally work for you. It can totally work for a lot of people. But again, in the concept of who I think is not a good candidate for these classes, it would be those with really high stress lives. Basically, if you have kids and you're really stressed, if you have a really stressful job, if you have busy college and you're studying all the time and you're just cortisol is on high for all of those things, you're in a very inflammatory state constantly adding these classes into your routine is going to be like shooting yourself in the foot. It is way too much for your body. It's too much stress. All exercise is stress, but like how much of it you do and how you use it is what determines how your body is going to react over time. So if you are somebody who just does not manage their stress well, or just different things in that state, or you have injuries, you're postpartum, you have specific heart conditions, hypertensive, etc. These are not good classes for you. I would really not move towards that. I would invest your money into a trainer, physical therapist, like get your foundation set before you go and do something like this. Lastly, who do I think is a good candidate? It would be anybody with medium to low daily stress levels, those who have less of a desire to do extended low intensity steady state cardio or moderate intensity steady state cardio, otherwise known as LIS or MIS. Those people would be a good candidate for this because it's a different way of doing cardio, I'd say. Um, and those who have a lot less time in their day, but they're not necessarily overly stressed. Those are all good people who would be a candidate for utilizing HIT or these types of HIT classes as a addition to their workout programming for the week. But I would not recommend this be your only workouts for the week because it's going to fall short for you very fast. Okay, that is all for today's chat. Yesterday was a little bit longer, but there's a lot to talk about on this topic. And I hope that a lot of that was helpful for you guys and that you understood these concepts because once you understand these things, it really demystifies the fitness world for you because then you kind of see it through a different lens where you're more equipped to understand if this exercise style is going to match with your goal. Most people have an underlying theme of fat loss, fat loss, fat loss. And while they market these classes and things as a fat loss supporter for a lot of people, it may not be. Okay, guys, I hope you have a great week ahead. Get yourself all set up if you're listening to this on a Sunday or whatever day you're listening to this on. And again, share this with anybody you think is helpful. I'd love to hear any feedback or comments or your own personal story. If you want to DM me at, at Rebel Wellness Podcast or at Coach by Kales on Instagram as well. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of Rebel Wellness. If you loved what you heard and you are ready to take your wellness journey to the next level, follow me on Instagram at Coach by Kales for daily nuggets of health and fitness wisdom. We release new episodes weekly on Sundays, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss an update. As always, lean into your strength, walk with confidence, and celebrate your nourishment. We'll catch you next Sunday on Rebel Wellness.